been a been a bit of a break. Uh, life got busy. Um, a lot happened, and we're back. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> it does. It really does. Especially for you. You had two jobs. Oh my gosh, that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So um, that's why we haven't had an episode out in a long time. We just be able to postpone it for a little bit. Yeah, but we're here. Um, I know everybody is doing their end of the decade, end of the year list. So we thought we'd get together kind of a little bit of a retrospective into the year of 2019 and just all the great films that came out this year. Because honestly, that's kind of I wa- where I want to start with this, is that 2019 was a great year in film. It's a great year in film, but it's a different year in film in many ways. We'll kind of get to it, but mm-hmm. mainly it's just because Independence kind of dominated the year mm-hmm. instead of the A24 had a huge year. A24, um, Sony Classics, all those ones that we, Blumhouse. All Fox those, Searchlight, Fox although Searchlight. I guess they're Disney now. Or whatever, whatever. It's, it's, but like the smaller films, the mid-budget films are the ones that kind of dominated this year. Which is good to see. Yeah, there's been a couple of blockbusters here and there. But they haven't been like the tentpole films. Like Joker wasn't a wasn't a blockbuster film. It was kind of just a mid budget, middle of the road film. Yeah, it had like the uh, obviously the built in audience of Batman and DC and stuff like that. But it, I mean, if you watch if you watch Joker and Todd Phillips' take on the character and Joaquin Phoenix's performance, um, which we'll touch on later in more detail. But if you watch that film, it's nothing like any previous portrayal of the Joker. It feels like a Blumhouse or A24 Joker film. It It feels like it was made in the 70s. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it was made today and doesn't feel like it'd be made today. Mm -hmm. A lot of these, a lot of the films that are on my list are kind of like that. But I think there's, there's also a lot of films on my list I haven't seen Mm because either they were I was busy during the time they were out, or like by the time when I go see them. Nineteen Seventeen hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I, that's like my like top of my list. So yeah. these this isn't complete, but this is as of as of December thirty first, twenty nineteen. We are setting the you know this is what I have so far. Yes, that's subject to change with uh, watching more stuff because I know Nineteen Seventeen uh, opens wide in January. Just Mercy opens wide in January. I haven't seen Waves yet. I haven't seen um, Uncut Gems. I'm seeing that tomorrow. Oh, okay, I got you. I haven't That's... seen Uncut Gems. I haven't seen Little Women. Okay, gotcha. like, I, I haven't seen something like, literally, I was, my mom was just like, I'm going to go see a movie tonight. And then they went midday, and I was literally on my way over here. And they're like, we just got back. I'm like, you could have, I could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, no, that's always tough about, like, uh, living in the Midwest is that a lot of these a lot of these films yeah. hit, like, limited release in New York and L.A. Okay, so, yeah. 1917, it makes no sense that it didn't open in Kansas City. Exactly. For those who don't know, National World War One Museum is here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Why don't they have a premiere here? <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. It makes too much sense. Almost too much sense. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, that's, I feel like that's a weird film to not open wide right away. I think they were wondering if it was gonna be as in, like people were gonna be as interested as they were mm. on the first like the reviewers release. Yeah. And then the reviewers release happened. They're like, oh, we don't have enough to send wide yet. Okay. I think yeah. I think they're maybe like holding back on it. I, I don't mean, I don't know a lot about distribution. Yeah. I, know, I I know a little bit about it, but I don't know a lot. Yeah. I mean that would make sense. I guess it's just a bummer because I was really looking forward to that one. But we'll see in a couple well, weeks. Well, it's Roger Deakins' one shot. I mean, yeah. Sam Mendes directed, but it's Roger Deakins' movie. And like every British actor you can think of is in this thing. Um, but so that that'll be fun when we do eventually see it. But I kind of just wanted to start big picture here. Where does 2019 rank for you in like? 
as far as the years in film this decade. Because I know uh, 2017 stands out a lot to me. That was the year of Get Out and Lady Bird. Is that also Moonlight? Um, uh, Moonlight was the year before, 2016. 2014 um, stood out. 2014 was big. Um, 2011. 2011 was huge. I just think that 2019 had a lot of range to it. It's a it's a weird year. It's yeah. not it's not the same as like these past years where it's been like, oh, the two to four is best actor. There's not there's no like consensus mm-hmm. best actor or best actress this year. There's no consensus best picture this year. I think that I, I look at twenty nineteen as maybe having some of the best depth of then, the decade because a lot of the time, like you mentioned, there have been standouts like, all right, these two films or these two performances are clear and head above and the rest are kind of just there. Th- this is like really wide open. Yeah, like this is the San Antonio Spurs of <laughs> the years, if I can be like... Sure. Because not a lot of like, maybe has one or two like, like they have the Tim Duncan, they have Endgame in 1917, they have the Tony Parker's, which is like the Lighthouse and, you know, some other big films, but they don't have like... They don't have the LeBron James or the Kevin Durant. Mm. They're not like, sorry, I'm using sports analogies in a film podcast, but I had to do it because sure. it's just like it's the best way to put it out there. It's like sure. consistency over over just like a, an amazing film. I think. Now, I think a lot of these films have the potential to be like that. I know Little Women is getting a huge critical yeah, reception. I, I want to see the Uncut Gems. Is Uncut getting, Gems is getting a I, lot I, of buzz. There's this this year time of year is the most magical time for film sure. buffs because it's like sure. buzz. We have all this buzz. We know. Usually by December 31st, we know who the Oscar contenders are. They have the Oscar shortlist that comes out. So basically by this time, we're like, these are the films we're talking about. Yeah. But usually there's one or two that sl- like slip under the surface. Like um, 1917 was supposed to, I mean, I don't think they're expecting a huge release that they did. Like they're going yeah. to get because I bet tickets are sold out already for yeah. their release. Uh-huh. I don't think that we have, um, Uncut Gems was kind of out of nowhere. It was, yeah. it was this film that got a lot of buzz at TIFF. Well, that, but also, um, uh, that's one of the that's one of the films that I a guy that I think may have had the best year of anybody is Martin Scorsese because Martin Scorsese exec produced that. Um, he yeah. exec produced Kent Jones's narrative feature film debut Diane. He exec produced the Souvenir Joanna Hogg. Um, he also made The Irishman, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, if we're talking front runners, Irishman is the front runner. That in marriage story, probably. Probably, uh, yeah, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> Not a big fan. Uh, I, I need to see it again. Okay. I had a, the first time I watched it, I was in the middle of editing. Okay. And I kind of, I was kind of like my head hurt, and I was really angry because I messed up. I think I okay. messed myself up, and I just was like, all they're doing is yelling, and I turned it off. Okay. All right. I got through like the first half, but the scene that everybody makes fun of is like, this is bad acting. I'm like this is incredible acting. I that's I think, marriage story. The dumb thing about this Netflix release strategy is I believe, like, I think it's great that they are staying in, in the conversation, but the memes and, like, while they are funny, a lot of those scenes in Marriage Tour are taken way out of context, and that scene where Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are just yelling at each other works so much better after you've built up to that moment. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just like, I, but also, I'm not a child of divorce, so, like, the first, first like, hour where they get to yelling at each other, yelling at each other for nothing, I'm just like, I mean, I bet this was because I was in a bad mood. I need to see it again. Sure. But I... And ease of access. It's right there on Netflix. So I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a problem. I've I've seen parts of uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen all of it. Okay. But just 
there's no ease of access with sure. that kind of That's film. on Prime right now. It's on Prime? It is on Prime. Perfect. I need to watch yep. it. Um, so I guess that there, are, there are some big storylines there, and I just wrote down a few here. First of all, I feel like we just need to address it just briefly, is this whole Martin Scorsese versus Marvel thing. And, Mar- and Francis Ford Coppola. That's true. And Coppola. I had Marty wrote that uh, editorial in the New York Times kind of explaining his position. And a lot of it comes down to that it's not that he is anti-Marvel. It's that a lot of these big blockbuster tentpole franchises are taking away some of the, uh, basically taking away screens from these smaller, independent, even mid-budget films. And it's kind of tipping the scales a little bit. Yeah, but that this year kind of bucked that entire trend. Sure. So, like, I mean, we're talking about Endgame is the his the biggest blockbuster of all time, made the most, gross the most money in, of all time. Da, 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 da. A lot of films came out this year that people flocked to see, yeah. stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of films that are like that now. And I think it also helps that um, the Netflix had a huge year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they had, obviously, they're pushing Oscars for films like The Irishman and Marriage Story and The Two Popes, mm-hmm. um, which just dropped on Netflix, I think, last week, if I remember right. Um, and then they also have films like The King with Timothy Chalamet and just and just a lot of uh, a lot of romantic comedies. And they're, they're really getting aggressive with their distribution strategy, which is, I think it's cool to see, especially since... Um, they're they're working with better filmmakers. Just as the as these films come out, they're working with top line people. Getting Martin Scorsese to to do a mob film? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and like giving like basically giving him a blank check to make the film that and, he wants to make. And also knowing that a three hour film, a lot of people are going to go see that in the theater. Yeah, I mean, I did because I I need it for without distractions. Sure. I needed to see it without like all the yeah. distractions and stuff. But there's a lot of things that are different. The thing about Scorsese versus the Marvel debate, to me, is totally different than anything else. Because it's like, he grew up in a time where there weren't that many blockbusters. You know, like, there may be a couple. And then him, George Director, Lucas. Directors were the stars of films yeah, a lot of times. Lucas and Spielberg kind of changed this whole thing. And then now it's like, his films aren't getting as much buzz as they used to. Like, Hugo, I think it was his last film before this. I think people were more talking about that. Um, well, oh, so sorry. Wolf of Wall Street and Silence. Silence, um, that's right. Yeah. Um, so he's he's had a busy decade. I just think that I agree with him in the fact that I think we need to be cognizant of allowing these, allowing independent filmmakers and allowing the mid-budget filmmakers to tell their stories amidst right. all of the blockbusters yeah. and Disney and all that stuff. And I think most studios are on board for that. I th- I think, well, so I think they say they are, but it all depends on the funding. Yeah, but there's studios out there like A24 sure. and Blumhouse. And those are the ones that are going to keep this alive. And it's, the, the, it's more of the traditional studio, Paramount, Universal. But those, studio, but those studios are just, they're old school studios. Yeah. They know that that's not going to make money for yep. them. But A24 and Blumhouse and Netflix all know... This is going to make money for us. We Uncut know this. Gems just had the biggest opening weekend in A24 history. Yeah, and that's the whole point of this entire thing. And it's that's like, a risky movie. That's a huge risk. Yeah. Adam Sandler in a drama besides yeah. Hunter Love, which yeah. he was incredible in. Mm-hmm. And having Kevin Garnett be a big star in a yeah. movie. Having a basketball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge step. That's why I think you know this kind of argument's kind of null and void at this point because mm. Even streaming services, Amazon, Manchester by the Day, Manchester by the Sea, you know, like they're doing the stuff. The Big Sick. The Big Sick. 
they're doing stuff that other big studios won't do. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think it all needs to be embraced. And, you know, I think that being anti-streaming is uh, a bit behind the times. And I think that, I, I, I think there's a place for all of it. Just take a shot at Spielberg, why don't you? No. <laughs> he, well, he's, he's already sold himself out to Apple, Apple Plus. But um, uh, I think, I just hope that the, the theatrical experience is preserved, which I think it will be. Mm-hmm. But that's just that's just something that I think can't be matched by anything else. No, I I think at this point in time, there's so many distributors and so many film makers out there. I mean, I'm a filmmaker right now, mm-hmm. and if I get my project picked up, I bet that there'll be a contract somewhere from one studio. Like mm-hmm. I mean, like there's stuff happening right now. I mean, Kansas City's popping up. Yeah, my mentor Morgan Cooper got a had a big thing just. Greenlit by Gabrielle Union's production company, Oprah Winfrey's production company, here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So, distribution is different. Yeah, it's now we're living in a kind of so the twenty twenties is kind of going to be kind of golden age of the small budget, mid budget films, because this is kind of the first step. This year, I feel like it was the first step where like a twenty four is really on the cusp of maybe having a couple best picture nomine- nominees. I mean, they so they've had big Best Picture nominees. They've even had Best Picture wins with Moonlight. Yeah, but I'm but saying but this year they're gonna, they they yeah. might they might have a lot. I mean, like they they're gonna have Best Actor nominees. They're gonna have Best Director nominees. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have Best Writing nominees. Yeah. They're gonna have their nails are in a lot of things right yeah. now. Yeah, like, oh yeah, for like sure. their knives are just in so much stuff. Yeah. So I think this point, like A24, which is a super profitable company, mm-hmm. will get bought out. Will this yeah. happen, or will it stay true? Like, will Blumhouse and A twenty four merge, which is a big thing rumor yeah. going on right now that they will eventually just kind of merge and keep each other separate, but like make sure that they're can be independent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were there were a lot of uh, foreign films as well that came out this year. That Parasite, Parasite was huge. The Farewell, The Farewell, um, Pain and Glory, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, Souvenir, um, really really great. On that front as well, uh, Parasite, uh, we'll touch on later, but I think it's really cool to see after Bong Joon-ho won Best Director at Palm Door, or, or won the Palm Door at Cannes, and people were like, wait a second, uh, this might be something here, and then people saw Parasite, and it was as good as, as yeah, marketed. It's coming in the prime next in January, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it is, okay. but like, I haven't seen it yet. It okay. was like one of those movies that was in the theater, and then... Gone. I was like, I was was like, uh, I wanted to see that. Like the farewell was maybe like those movies I haven't seen, and I really want to see those movies. Mm -hmm. But I think having maybe eight, like I feel like there's gonna be a point here where we're gonna see these low level ones, like the Criterion Channel, may may start showing, you know, a twenty four films and all those other ones. Yeah. No, they've they've done a great job of. um, I know I. I have the Criterion channel. I follow them on Twitter. They've done a great job of saying, hey, uh, Uncut Gem just came out. Watch the Safdie Brothers' other movies. Uh, Portrait of a Lady Fire came out. Watch Celine Scalma's uh, other first three films. Exactly. That that whole thing of, like, you know, Denis Villeneuve was, I think, one of the first big French directors of this decade. Mm-hmm. And his films before this decade are still incredible. Yeah. Like, like and now we have other, like, Bung Hu Cho. Sorry, Bung... Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho, sorry. I, I apologize. He's, he, this is his first direct... I think this is his first film. No. 
This is um, his first. I think this is his first film that's gonna be shown in America. I believe. Um. So he made uh, Snowpiercer with Chris Evans. A few oh years my back. god! I forgot. He about also that. made Okja with Netflix um, in twenty seventeen. That's he's, right. He's I, got I, a bunch I, of Korean films as well. That's right. Wow, I feel, I feel... This is his first film, I think, that has touched the public consciousness in this way. Because Parasite is supposed to be amazing. Yeah, it is. It is very good. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying just like Snowpiercer. That movie's amazing. Yeah. I, now I'm it's more cool. excited to see it because I'm like... That, that's such a unique sci-fi film. Yeah. And honestly, the directing category for the Oscars this year is going to be extremely diverse. Yes, which Gre- is awesome. I feel like... Uh, Greta Gerwig. Ger- Greta Gerwig. Is probably going to get nominated again? I would hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, if Scorsese gets his win after this, but it's a super diverse... I feel feel like that the thing is, the the Academy has been so conservative. I mean, last year's was ultra-conservative. Like, they made safe choices. They made all these... And then this year, it's like, okay, I think this is also... I think a lot of films this year were a middle finger Mm -hmm. to last year's Oscars. Yeah, no, I think they were. I think a lot of these films were of the time. I think a lot of these films, I guess, I, I th- some themes that I saw, at least, in these a lot of these films were dealing with past regrets, dealing with our own mortality, kind of where we are in society, and, um, and just stories that people want to make. You yeah. know, I think that if you look at Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach, I know he doesn't say it's autobiographical, but he takes a lot from his own divorce with Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, you see The Irishman with Martin Scorsese and De Niro and Pacino and uh, see, Harvey Keitel and Joe my, Pesci and just them. Mentality. They're ruminating on, on all of the past 40, 50 years of films that they've made. Even you look at A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and just kind of uh, coming to terms with uh, relationships with fathers and sons. I mean... The, the list goes on. I mean, it's a lot of things that are going... I mean, there's political activism that's going on right now. There's a lot of that stuff. But also, at the same time, it's just, like, realizing... Like, Irishman, to me, is about mortality. Sure. It's about, like, who are you before this? Who are you... Like, the, the entire movie is not a... It's, like, not a happy ending. It's not. It's all that kind of dealing with something. Lighthouse. You saw Lighthouse, mm-hmm. correct? It's, it's a Greek myth. Yeah, it's a Greek. It's Greek mythology set yeah. in a lighthouse in the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, but even that that deals with past regrets too, with Willem Dafoe's character, especially. Um, you got a lot of talk of uh, uh, classes, class and um, social class with uh, Parasite and even Little Women as well with women's places. But, but even the big films kind of tackled some stuff. Like I yeah. feel like Endgame dealt with, like dealt with loss. Loss. Can you deal with the? Can you deal with that? What mm-hmm. can you do to get move past it, or can you change the past? Mm-hmm. That kind of that's a big thing to tackle for a for a comic book movie, especially tentpole comic yes, book movie. Exactly. Once upon a time in Hollywood dealt with um, almost being a has been and dealing and with how, a, adjusting with society and being a, and also it being a fairy tale of things that it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's about a fairy tale, mm-hmm. this fake. Hollywood that was real, but the ending is fake. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta realize that everything here is taken with a grain of salt. Sure. I mean, this year is just an amazing year for film. Yeah. I honestly think that this year is one of. We'll be look back at this and be like, twenty nineteen was a great way to start the twenty twenties. Like sure. I feel like I, that's I what it's gonna be. I'm hoping so. Oscar nominations come out in less than two weeks. Um, I believe on the 13th, if I remember right, is when they are announced. And from what I can tell with just SAG, and I know Golden Globes are this next Sunday, and um, I, 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 I just have a feeling that this is going to be a good year for awards season. And I, 
also, it's so encouraging to me that of all the films in contention, I I like almost all of them. Yeah, there's not a, like, if... Like, even Joker, I'm not as huge on, but, like, Joaquin is incredible. No, but the thing is, like, this year, there's, like, I think there's six films that are probably going to be, like, we're like, oh, class, these probably be classics. Yeah. But all of those films that will get nominated will all be, like, it's not a, like, I'm, I'm happy for anybody who wins Yes. It. Like, if Marty gets, in the, if Marty gets the best director not win, Oh my God! It's incredible! Yes. Yay! Yay! Get yeah. it for Marty! And get a girl. And Greta Gerwig gets it. Oh my God! Yay, yay! Yeah! It's like one of those things where it's like, it's like you'd feel happy. Like if Willem Dafoe gets the best supporting actor nominee mm-hmm. win this year, I would be incredibly happy. But if Brad Pitt wins it, I'd be happy. The crazy thing about those two names that you just mentioned are Brad Pitt and Willem Dafoe. Um, I think they would both be career Oscars, but these two performances. Are also deserving is the crazy yeah, thing. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like it's like career Oscars, but like Willem Dafoe is incredible in the Lighthouse. Yeah. Brad Pitt is incredible in Once Upon a Time in mm-hmm. Hollywood. I mean, also you could say Brad Pitt for Ad Astra, you could nomination, but which not is a, win. a film that's really flying under the radar. That movie is like 2001: A Space Odyssey, but a character study. Yeah. And that's the thing I love. Like that movie's amazing. You don't see Tommy Lee Jones in a lot anymore either. No, and Tommy Lee Jones is his role is just so nice. Yeah. It's a good it's a good role for him, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, but I digress. We should probably um, keep going down yeah, this list. No, I mean, there's there, there's a lot. We kind of mentioned New Tarantino. We talked a little bit off um, off air, but there was a new Star Wars that came out Yay. this year. Um, Rise of Skywalker. I um, I have seen it twice in theaters. Um, I was not a huge fan of it. I The fan service was a little much for me. Um, I, this isn't like a Star Wars podcast. So that's just general thoughts. But Graham, I know you were a big fan of it. I enjoyed it more the second time. Mm-hmm. I think it just was. I kind of just got past the people just were like hating on it, like like you said, not my Star Wars thing. I think at this point, it's like it's part of my language. It's fucking Star Wars. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like there's a new Star Wars movie out. If you don't like it, okay. A lot of people don't like the prequels, but you'll still watch them. Yeah, it's still part of it. And at the end of the day, after this, especially after the second time watching it, I came to two conclusions. Is that, one, I didn't really care for this trilogy and the characters in it, and it really wasn't my thing. But two, it's really not worth getting upset about. It's not. Because it's... there are there are still, we still have the original trilogy. There are still redeemable qualities of the, of the prequels. And also... There's just there are just so many films out there that if you find one that is really not your jam, there's gonna be hundreds more that you love. I like this more than like the prequels, but the thing is, is like there are moments in here that like forever will be. I remember seeing these in theaters. This is like the original trilogy for my parents, for my my mom especially. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the Force Awakens, and seeing Han Solo killed, and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and then seeing the throne room scene and Last Jedi, and then the the scene on the bridge in this one. There's moments in this trilogy. I mean, like, this is a solid trilogy. I think people, I know a lot of people are like, I don't like the way it ended. Da, 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 da. I'm just like, if you don't enjoy the ride, you don't enjoy the ride, then yeah. get off of it. Yeah. Then don't, then don't complain about Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's really the, the cool thing about Star Wars is that it's, it, is a, it is a franchise that is supposed to expand our worldviews and, and take us to new places. And But there's a female Jedi. <laughs> but that's awesome. Exactly. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I think that there are there were cool moments. Um, and, honestly, I'm hopeful 
I'm still hopeful for the future of Star Wars. Yeah. I don't think that anything in this trilogy really uh, diverts my expectations from that. I know Benioff and Weiss are working on a trilogy. You know, Ryan Johnson's working on a trilogy. You know, The Mandalorian is out of Disney+. Plus. John Favreau probably will get a trilogy. I mean, it's there, there are still people in good hands. I'm not a huge fan of Kathleen Kennedy's... Um, her Kathleen direction... Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy did a really bad job of handling this trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think it really shows. Mm-hmm. Because... There's too many cooks in the kitchen on this. Like, the the screenplay written by was, like, eight people yeah. for The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. That literally should be three people. Yeah. And it should be all three directors are Kasdan and the two directors of this trilogy. Yeah. It's just a real shame that they mishandled this because it's like The Force Awakens was a gift. Yeah. Force Awakens, Last Jedi are two... A lot of people don't like Last Jedi, but I think they're two really solid films. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of didn't like how something ended, and that's a, and I feel like there are problems there. But yeah. I digress. We're not a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> we like, at, at the end of the day, we both love Star Wars, but we're not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be offended by not liking the right Skywalker. You, and yeah, I'm not going to be, and I'm not offended that you don't like it. It's just yeah. like at the end of the day, whatever. Yeah. No. Um, and then I just thought I should mention a few things. Um, big year for a few people. Uh, Florence Pugh uh, has really broken out into one of my uh, favorite new actresses. I mean, she had a huge year with Midsommar, Little Women, and Fighting With My Family. Um, uh, Bong Joon-ho, obviously, he's really just broken onto the scene. A lot of people didn't even know who he was before this year. And now with Parasite, he's... People are going back to his older filmography, and which is great. Uh, Martin Scorsese, as you mentioned, uh, was an exec producer for multiple films, but also with The Irishman and kind of made this passion project that him and uh, Bob De Niro had been working on for a while. Uh, big year for dads. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari, Ad Astra, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Irishman, a lot of a lot of old men movies this year, which is which is um, fun. Uh, big year for comedies. Um, Long Shot, Dolomite is My Name. Um, I mean, I mean, just heck, even you could see, make an argument for Midsommar and Lighthouse. There are plenty of elements of comedy in those things. Knives Out. Knives Out is so, is so fun. Book Smart. Um, I mean, they're Dead Don't Die. I mean, there, there's been, there was a lot of good in that respect. Um. You you like the Dead Don't Die, huh? I, I like, did you not like the Dead Don't Die? I thought it was boring. Now it's very dry. That's Jim Jarmusch's thing. Uh, but uh, the Bill Murray stuff was fun, but the Adam Driver, I didn't like Adam Driver in the role. That was his main. That's fair. That's um, fair. Oh, big year for Adam Driver, too. Adam Dr- the thing is, uh, one of my, uh, getting back to Star Wars for a second, my friend was like really angry. They literally gave uh, Adam Driver one line after after he turned, like, spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Last 45 minutes, he only says, like, one line. Yeah. And friend's like, I can't believe it. I'm just like, Adam Driver is that good of an actor that he didn't have to say anything. Adam Driver, after this year, I think you can make argument he's he he's, get, he, he's the be- he might be the best actor in Hollywood right now. Leonardo DiCaprio still exists, my friend. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. The argument's there. The argument is there. If say after, if Adam Driver wins the Oscar this year, I'm just saying he will, he is probably the closest person to challenging Leo. No, no, he. He honestly, this year has been... Because he had Dead Don't Die, The Report, 
Marriage Story, the Star report, Wars. My goodness, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of the report, but he was fantastic in it. Yeah, there. Also, there was a. Sorry, speaking of other actors, Mark Ruffalo had a really had a really mm-hmm. solid year too. That uh, Dark Waters uh-huh. movie's cr- he's really good. I missed that one. He is, he is spectacular. So okay. is Anna Hathaway in that movie. Okay. They're both really gotcha. good. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I'm I'm also just uh, Mark Ruffalo is great. Uh, it's good to see Joaquin back. And um, seems like he's. He's had, he's had a good decade. He's had a good decade, but I think his mind's better. Like he, I feel like he's had a lot of low points, and he's had a lot yeah. of problems in and out. Mm-hmm. I think this this year, especially, where people have been treating him very well, it seems like people have been really mm-hmm. respectful of him. Sure, I think that he he's he's another guy that you can make an argument best actor working today. I think. I mean, I mean, I honestly think he has. I think he's the lead for best actor at the moment. He, I would think he'd have to be. I would think him. Adam Driver, uh, Brad Pitt. Well, for Best Actor, for Ad Astra. Oh, for Ad. Well, so I guess I'm thinking like realistically. Yeah, I'm I don't sorry, think because I don't think Brad Pitt has much of a chance in Ad Astra. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that movie's so good. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can we can maybe talk Oscars in a different episode, but we'll, um, we'll, do the, we'll probably do that at the end of yeah. this month um, after the after its nominations come out. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, there's there's just been a lot of a lot of good stuff as we've mentioned. So I think get into it? let's get into it. First of all, what are what are some honorable mentions? Um, some films that maybe didn't quite make your top ten, but you still wanted to shout out because. I think that there were way more than 10 great movies this year. Um, Ford vs. Ferrari is on mine. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Christian Bale is incredible in it. Is on your top 10? Uh, no. So I famously had um, uh, been waiting and anticipating Ford vs. Ferrari coming into this year with my number one most anticipated film. Yeah. Um, did not live up to those expectations. Yeah, I saw it twice. The uh-huh. first time I saw it was on my list, and I saw mm-hmm. it a second time. There's a lot of things I didn't like about it the okay. second time. Gotcha. But the... I really enjoy Christian Bale's unbelievable. Matt Damon's really good. The okay. biggest problem I have it, with it is the kid stuff seems a little too... Okay. It, the kid actor wasn't on the same... I mean, you're never on the same level as Christian Bale. Noah Jupe is really good. He is good, but I feel like there's a lot of things in this movie that could have been different with him. Oh, for sure. No, yeah, I get and, that. And I think the film is really well done. But there's just too much of like a basic thing going on here. Yeah, and the story, the story itself. You've seen like there's always that corporate jerk type yeah. guy. That guy has, and the guy who plays it has always been th- that guy. Tracy Letts. Tracy, yeah, he's always been that guy. I did like he's, the, he's kind of the same guy in Little Women. <laughs> yeah, so like that's kind of the thing about it, where it's like that was kind of a big thing. Um, Shazam made my Shazam was a lot of fun. Shazam was honestly one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see it. Like, I really want to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zachary Levi was great. Yeah. John Wick Chapter Three was on my yes. List. John Wick Chapter Three. Oh it, my gosh, that is my far and away right now. That is my favorite franchise. John Wick Two is my favorite of them. Absolutely, me too. Yeah, because I think it really expands the world really well. Mm-hmm. I think John Wick One's the weakest link, honestly. Um, I would probably agree. Although I still love it. It's still good. It's yeah. still really good. I think that John Wick was like the like we let's try this to see if it works at all. Because it was like it was like uh, Keanu's on his last. Because a lot of people thought it was like oh, Keanu on his last leg, and yeah. it's like well, this is interesting. It's the most contained of the three. I will say John Wick Chapter Three has some of the 
greatest action sequences I have ever seen uh, the, on film. The, the, I had a lot of problems with the ending, but uh, the first two acts I was heavily invested. The, the knife, the knife fight, um, and then the fight where he uh, he fights with the guys of the uh, from the raid. Bobon's in this movie. Bobon when he hit when he kills him with the book. Oh my gosh! There are just so many scenes that still stick but out in my mind. There's a lot of things I don't like about it because it was like he wasted Halle Berry because I thought she was incredible for like the. Second act, and then she's just not involved. She kind of just disappears. I was like, yeah. and then I was like, the set for the fourth one. I'm like, yeah, do another yeah. one. No, I'm um, I'm hyped for the fourth one. Um, it chapter two is at the bottom of this. Okay. Just I really I like the ride of the first of the yeah. first movie. The second one, I thought a lot of I mean, um, just Will Forte was so no oh, Will Forte, sorry Bill Hader. Bill Hader. I was like, it's like Will Bill. Okay, some yeah. SNL guy. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Hader. Honestly, could get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and I wouldn't be too. Mm. He was probably the best part of the entire film. But I, I would but, agree. But I don't think he's going to get nominated for anything. But honestly, I just like him and Barry. He's been really good in Barry yeah. this year. Yeah, but yeah. I'd like to see more of him in these kind of roles yeah. going forward. He's also uh, like a super film guy. I don't think a lot of people realize that he's a cinephile. He's a huge cinephile. Yeah. But also, he just like he likes to make fun of films all the yeah. time. He makes fun of Clint Eastwood. He makes fun of all these big name people, and it's yeah. really funny. And then I have a yet to see little thing. I okay. have yet to see Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I have yet to see Parasite. Okay. I have yet to see The Farewell, Uncut Gems, Little Women. Okay. Um, I think you named it five of my top ten. So I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. Um, some that I want to shout out. I have. I'm just gonna shout out ten real quick. Dolomite is my name. Uh, Return of Eddie Murphy. Um, a Netflix film as well that I failed to mention earlier. My apologies. Uh, really funny. Lots of heart. Wesley Snipes is incredible in it as well. Um, Divine Joy Randolph is incredible. Um, there, there's just it's just so funny. It's so heartwarming. It's uh, kind of a dramatic role in a sense for Eddie Murphy, but he's really good. I would love to see him get some consideration for best I think actor. He, I think he'll I think he'll get a nomination just for a career. Like he should have won it for Dreamgirls. Mm. If I'm being brutally honest. Yeah. And then he made Norbit, and everybody's like, nope. Uh, yeah, that that's a tough career move. Um, Don't Mind My Name, great. Long Shot, one of my favorite comedies of the year. That's a slight, that's on my list. Okay, well, we'll push. Um, Long Shot's great. High Life, um, a Claire, Claire Denis film with uh, Robert Pattinson, Julia Binoche. Um, uh, Andre 3000 is in it. Um, it's a it's a really f- uh, cool film. I can't say it's fun, but it's it's a really interesting film just about um, these astronauts in space, kind of uh, coming to terms with their past. Again, a whole past regrets thing, mortality. Um, really interesting kind of the theme of this year. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It fits great into the theme. Uh, another great uh, role uh, for Robert Pattinson, who I think I think Robert Pattinson this year also is getting a lot more respect, kind of breaking out of the Twilight mold. Um, that's a really fun, really cool film. Uh, Avengers Endgame, which yeah, I'm assuming push. will push that one. Um, Booksmart. Um, was, yeah, that was a fun movie. That was a really Olivia fun Wilde movie. Needs a, I think she should get a huge contract. Oh yeah, and I hope she. I hope her next film is is even bigger. I, I think she did a really good job with two kind of unknown actresses. Yeah, well, so I think it helped that Beanie Feldstein was coming off of the success of Lady Bird. Yeah. And so I think that helped, and I think she even shines brighter in this one. Yeah, I, I think it works really well because it's like kind of two unknown actresses. Kind of, they weren't, they haven't been leads. Yeah, and having these two people go through this entire world, I think Olivia Wilde is going to direct more. It's kind of just, it's kind of building off of actors taking 
the director's chair now. Yes. I think that I think this decade's kind of proven that, that is a proof that can be like Jordan Peele stepping out of it. I think, you know, John Krasinski stepping out of it mm-hmm. and doing a Quiet Life Two drops. Quiet this, Place. Quiet Place Two. Yeah. What does that drop? It drops uh, like soon. I think March. No, I think. I think is, it, is it sooner than that? I think it is. Oh my goodness! We have to look this up because I'm pretty sure like they dropped like a trailer and this was like uh, March twentieth. Okay, I oh a trailer drops tomorrow. That's yeah, right. yeah trailer yeah. like they they had to release. I was like, <gasps> they already yeah. filmed. They finished everything. Yeah. The first one was great. Emily Blunt, I think, is going to direct a movie coming up soon. Oh, I didn't know that. I think a lot of a lot of I want to see Leo direct. Like I want to. There's a bunch of actors. I'm like, you need to sit behind that. Yeah, that chair. You need to sit. It's off more screen. than just Clint Eastwood and Ben Affleck. <laughs> God, thank God it is. Oh, wait, another Clint Eastwood film. Did you see Richard Jewell? I haven't. Snooze, I, snooze fest. I heard it was. I heard the acting is incredible, mm-hmm. but just like a lot of things. I will wrong. say, yeah, I will say that Paul Walter Hauser as Richard Jewell is incredible. Sam Rockwell is incredible, and Kathy Bates is great. Everything else, I just yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, Booksmart was really funny, really clever. Uh, I see a lot of people comparing it to the female Superbad. I don't know if that's necessarily does it justice. I think, I think it's honestly supposed to be that kind of thing. But, it it but is, it, but it's also its own thing. That's the thing about it. It's like, we're paying homage to it, but we're doing our own and stuff. And also, also Beanie Feldstein being the cousin of Jonah Hill, also another connection there. But anyway, um, Jojo Rabbit, I know you said you haven't seen it, but it's it just has so much heart. I, I, I need to see it. Like It's one of those movies that like when it comes out to rent, I'm definitely going to rent sure. it. For sure, for sure. Um, Taika Waititi again um, is just such a such a great director. I love I love me a good satire. Um, Scarlett Johansson is great in this as well. Scarlett has had a solid year. Another another Sam Walk- Rockwell performance. Um, I could do without the Rebel Wilson stuff, but that's whatever. Um, it's it's goofy. I think a lot of people can see. Well, for sure. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie is in it as well, which uh, I don't know if anybody saw. Leave no or leave no trace. She was in that as well. She's also in um, the King um, briefly as well. But she's she's a great young act- actress. Um, just this cast is great. It's so funny. But it gets dark and it just really tugs at yeah, your heartstrings. It's set in Nazi Germany. Yeah, but I, Taika Waititi as Hitler is just so is so yeah, funny. Um, uh, I never thought I would be saying that sentence. A New, a New Zealand Jew. As... Yes, it's just a good film, and it feels like it feels like one of those films that we need in 2019. And so that was really cool. We already talked about John Wick, uh, Knives Out. Push, push. We'll push for that one. Uh, the Souvenir. Um, Joanna Hogg is she just keeps getting better and better with every film this is her her, her fourth um feature film um she usually works with um, tom hiddleston um mm-hmm. he wasn't in this one though um this film is kind of autobiographical um it stars honor Swinburne, who is the uh, daughter of tilda swin who is also in this film who plays her mother um it's basically it is about joanna Hogg. it's about a a uh, a young young girl i'm um, trying to come up as a filmmaker also dealing with um, relationships with a uh, with a lover, but also her parents, and there's just a lot of there's just a lot of uh, inner turmoil and outer turmoil with that. Um, I love it, it. Feels very poetic. Um, there is a there's a certain shot sequence she uses with um uh, this they where they read this poetry with a shot of a, a sunrise and a sunset that was really effective. Um, just just a beautiful beautiful film that I hope more people check out. Um, and then finally, uh, I just caught it, I believe a week or two ago, is A Hidden Life. It's Terrence Malick's new film. Oh, I didn't get to see it. Um, so it is, I believe it's close to three hours long. Oh, um, that sounds but very it's, Terrence Malick. It is very Terrence Malick. 
Uh, I heard it's the most Terrence Malicky of them all. So it is my first Terrence Malick film that I've seen because I haven't seen the Thin Red Line or uh, anything like that. Thin, thin Red Line's amazing. Yeah, um, but uh, it's about um, uh, it stars August Deal, who um, if you don't if you might remember him from Inglorious Bastards, he's the guy that gets onto Michael Fassbender in the bar that he didn't the, count the to three right. Um, three. Yes, yes, he is uh, fantastic as Fran as Franz in the lead. Um, it basically, uh, I love the way this is shot. They use a lot it's, of wide it's, lens. It's, it's wide handheld. Yes. It's Terrence Malick. It's, which, it just looks beautiful, which it's, is what you expect from yeah, him. And, and the thing is, is, like, Terrence Malick, to me, doesn't like to use a lot of dolly. Mm-hmm. And when he does use dolly, it's on purpose. Yeah. It's a lot of handheld. A lot of film theory going on in yeah. this one. It's oh, a lot yeah. of, like, you're in their life. Like you For feel sure. Like, you feel like... This person's ca- camera in this time period and in this place. Which is exactly what you want to feel in this story. Um, I was really close to putting in the top 10. I have our number 11 right now. Um, August Deal is one of the best lead performances I've seen this year. And just you see and feel his, his um, struggle as he stands for what's right. Because a lot of it is they just, he, want, he denounces Adolf Hitler. He doesn't want to... They want him to uh, fight for Nazi Germany. He says no, and he's jailed for that. And you really see the struggle with him and his wife, and just and just as they they fight for his freedom, and just you see his time in jail and how that. And this is an English film. This yes, is not, uh-huh. this is not a, like something that might deter some people. Yes, yeah. I mean Parasite's in Korean, but I mean, yeah. and so is the Farewells in mm-hmm. Chinese. In yeah, Cantonese, I mean, I yeah. So that it is it is mostly in English. Um, and I mean, years pass and you just really see, um, it's not, it's, it's one of those interesting films that it's really kind of a slice of life film in a way where it's not like August Deal's character is not some high ranking official. He's just Mm -hmm. a dude who stood up for what he believed in. And it's really, Um, and the thing is, the thing is, you're not telling me, like you're telling me kind of the basics of it. You haven't told me anything in the plot, which is a Terrence Malick film. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of what I want to leave it at because a lot of it is just going through the journey with France, and so if you are if you are to see it, I think going in blind is probably the best way to yeah. go. Uh, which, as you mentioned, with the Terrence Malick film, it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot of nuance. Yeah, a lot, a lot of nuance of... and a lot of more uh, subtext than. Mm-hmm. Anyway, without further ado, uh, Graham, what is your number ten? Uh, long shot. Long shot. I love this one. Uh, I love it, this pick. It honestly was the biggest surprise of the year for me. I thought this movie was going to be kind of dumb, stupid comedy. And it turned out to be a dumb, stupid comedy with a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. And Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron have amazing just chemistry off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, this film su- just surprised me in so many ways. I really, I love that it was raunchy in some places, but it was really funny in other places. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is hilarious in this mm-hmm. movie. I think this movie will get it as one of my favorite comedies of the decade. It's it is so funny. It's so solid. Mm-hmm. It, it's like even the raunchiness stuff is funny. Mm-hmm. It's not tasteless raunchy stuff. It's kind of just like it's raunchy, but it's also like there's some really funny scenes in this movie. I really would recommend to go see this movie or rent it. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Okay, it's a great film. It is. It's really good. Um, it's kind of one of those classic dramedies in a way. With, it, it feels like this could have been made in the 40s or 50s. Yeah, honestly. for sure. Um, and I love kind of this run. I know she's, she's mixed it with some more hardcore dramas. I know Bombshell came out this year as well, but um, Charlize has done in the last few years more kind of uh, tilted a little more toward comedy, and she's great at it. Um, mm-hmm. I think she, with uh, Tolly is one I can think of just off the top of my head just the last couple of years. Um, but her chemistry with Seth Rogen is incredible. 
Um, it's almost like it's well, not even almost. It's very much a political satire. Um, Andy Serkis as um, uh, Roger Ailes is pretty basically, funny. I mean, they basically make fun of Fox News, yeah. but I mean, like at the same time, it's pointing out the fact that like it's. I know people who are conservative who like this movie and thought mm-hmm. it was funny because it's like, oh, right wing news is like this, and yeah. left wing news is like this. Yeah. Da, da, da. It's more just like we'll make fun of both sides and have a good time. Yeah, and which is which is really really fun to see. Um, my number 10, uh, I think you mentioned that you hadn't seen it yet, but um, The Farewell, yeah. um, di- directed by Lulu Wong. It's a story, um, I believe she, a lot of her personal stories in it as well. Um, it stars Aquafina, how she is a, uh, she is a girl, uh, a girl, I believe, of Chinese descent um, in uh, New York. And basically her whole family has to travel back to China to because um, uh, her grandma's dying, Nai Nai. Um, and there's also, um, one of her cousins is getting married, I believe as well. And basically her, her grandma has cancer, but nobody wants to tell her because that is Chinese custom where I believe, um, it's just best if they, if they don't know and they pass on peacefully instead of kind of having this overwhelming doubt in their, in the back of their mind as they, as they go through cancer treatment, stuff like that. So they almost fake doctor appointments almost. And it is, it is such a, I think I, I thought of it more as like a heartbreaking and a heartwarming film at the same time because it almost has the antithesis of Nai Nai dying but also this new life of this wedding that brings them all together as well. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like instead of death at a funeral, it's death at a wedding. Yeah, and it's just, I know a lot of people are pushing for Nai Nai for Best Supporting Actress. That would be incredible. Um, Aquafina in a dramatic role is great. Aquafina's had a good year too, as a good couple years. Yeah, no, she's, yeah, she's been great. And uh, Crazy Rich Asians last year, she was fantastic in. Um, I just really love this film. I I don't know if it's Lulu Wong's directorial debut, but it's I know it's one of her first films. I think it's her first big feature. Yeah, which I think it's odd that this is being um, labeled as a foreign language film because it's. I mean, they speak Chinese and. In a decent I, amount of it, but it's mostly in English. I think it's because it. I think it takes was, place a lot in China. I think it is. Okay. I think it's also a lot of. I think if people have to read it, a lot of it, yeah, they don't, they'll say, like, "Oh, that's it's a, fair." It's a, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's just a really really good film. Obviously, a lot of uh, uh, reminiscing in it, and just a lot of the importance of family, and just I think it. I think it also is just one of those films that anybody can relate to and anybody can enjoy. So, yeah. regardless of background. So, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Uh, Leo and Brad Pitt together in a movie. Tarantino. Tarantino. Need I say much more? Like Al Pacino, Al Pacino pops Al Pacino, in. Al Pacino pops in for like one scene. I'm pretty sure that was in between takes of The Irishman. <laughs> Probably. Because he's probably wearing the same suit he wore in another yeah. scene in The Irishman. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's such a solid film. Um, an ode to the 60s, uh, <laughs> the studio system, all mm. that stuff, spaghetti westerns. It yeah. really is a love letter to that type of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think this movie is so well made. I think it's a love letter to 60s cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fuck the Manson family is kind of the entire <laughs> thing. Of, the guy who plays Charlie Manson in this is, have you seen Mindhunter? I have not. You need to see Mindhunter. Okay. He plays Charlie Manson in Mindhunter as well. Okay, and he gotcha. Is the, he is honestly the best like person I've seen play Manson. Okay, gotcha. Like he like they didn't give him like a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like oh that's Charlie Manson. Cool, you got to see Charlie Manson. Yeah. Now you have him in Mindhunter, and he is 
unbelievably like uh-huh. Charlie Manson and Mindhunter. Sure. Um, but I think this film, it's one of my favorite Tarantinos because it just kind of lets everything kind of go and doesn't really try to push something. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's a good film. I um, was not as big on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that uh, the plot was a little stretched thin for me. Um, in the third act, I I wasn't as sold on kind of the almost classic Tarantino where every basically all hell breaks loose. Um, I, I think that uh, Leo was great. Brad Pitt is great. Brad Pitt's the front runner for supporting for this movie. Yeah, honestly, and and he's and he's he's fantastic in it. I think it deserves a rewatch for me. Um, I and I love Tarantino. It just just wasn't quite my thing. I got you. I um, mean, for a lot a lot of a lot of people I know who are film buffs are like, nah, I liked it. I don't like it as much. I was yeah. like, this is still good. I really enjoyed it. I had a yeah. good time. Like, yeah, I think that it it was it was fine. Um, like I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I I guess. It was. It felt a little odd to me to like bring in like this love letter to Hollywood, but also like the Manson stuff together. And I didn't think that all was kind of pieced together as well as I had hoped. But anyway, I know a lot of people love it, and anything Tarantino is at least going to be watchable. Yeah, Tarantino. So, Tarantino hasn't made a bad film. Like Except I, Jackie Brown. That's just me. <laughs> I like Jackie Brown. Anyway, my number nine. Uh, you mentioned hadn't seen it yet, but I think I think you will really like this one too. Is Last Black Man in San Francisco? Um, I saw this over the summer, and I did not know much about it, but I was floored. Joe Talbot um, directs this one, and he he does such a good job. He co-wrote the script with the with the star Jimmy Fails, and basically it's the story of uh, Jimmy, and he basically wants to basically take back over control of his grandpa's house and so he he occasionally will um will sneak over there and like and uh fix up paint chips or he'll uh help fix a leaky faucet like just basically stuff to upkeep the house but he can't afford to actually buy it back and uh and so he's staying with um his friend he's played by jonathan majors um, and uh, Danny Glover is in it as well. Isn't he the grandpa? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. He's either the grandpa of Jonathan Majors or Jimmy Fails. I don't remember which. But he he also it, played it made in your top, It made your top ten. You don't remember that. Well, you don't remember Danny Glover. <laughs> I can't believe you. But uh, He's not too old for this shit. No, Damn he, it. Is, he is blind in the movie, though. He is blind. I, believe. Um, I mean, but, um, I, need, I still need to see this. I like All my friends have sold me that I yeah. need to see this movie. There's also um, a great play that um, Jonathan Majors puts on of kind of just his experience in San Francisco. It is, uh, yeah, he is the grandpa, so I don't know why I forgot that. But um, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, okay. But uh, anyway, he, he's great in it. It's just really poignant filmmaking. And I, there's a, there's an ending shot of them uh, just paddling away under the Golden Gate Bridge off to a new life. And it's just it's just a really, really beautiful film. I'm excited to see it. I'm yeah. so, I'm. I mean, everybody's still ready to see this movie, so yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, respect to Danny Glover. I don't know respect. why I had a brain fart there for a second. Uh, but. Number eight for me is Ad Astra. Okay, another film that I was not as high on as everybody else was. I think it's flying really high under the radar right now. I mm-hmm. think these people just don't. It reminded me a lot of. It's a lot of character study, a lot of this, you're spending a lot of time with Brad Pitt, and the way that they structure him is. He can't really have a heart rate over this amount because he's mm. he has to be super calm to basically do what he has to do. Yeah, which I think feel like is true for a lot of these like uh, first man really yeah. kind of prove that you really can't freak out. Yeah, 
you, you like if you freak out, you don't know like you gotta focus. You gotta focus because like you gotta find a solution. Yeah. So I think this film was really well done. Tommy Lee Jones is, is really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. All the acting is incredible in this movie. Yeah. I really I just had a good time watching this movie. It's two thousand one, but a character study, in my mm. opinion. Long voyage, lots of a lot of alone time with this character. I mm-hmm. thought Brad Pitt was incredible. That's why I've mentioned Best Actor nomination, but he's probably going to get Best Supporting for Once About Time in Hollywood. But I think he did an incredible job in this movie. I think direction is perfect. I think the special effects are incredible. Mm-hmm. I really, I just had a great time with this movie. It looks amazing. And, I mean, James Gray, uh, it, it moved a little slow for me. Um, and I wasn't as huge as you do a fan of all the voiceover stuff, and I think that it fell a little flat at the end in the reunion, um, just for me. Um, I know this is another one that a lot of people love. Um, I think it might be worth a rewatch again. Um, but yeah, just, it, it looks great. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, really I, my main thing. I, I had a good time with it. Yeah, um, and just, I like, I like space adventure movies as well, so that's cool. My number eight, uh, Little Women. Um, this one, well, first of all, like, basically my, like, four through nine, like, could fluctuate a lot. My um, list is very fluid. Yeah. Well. Um, the top three are pretty set, but, um, mm-hmm. four through nine is pretty, pretty fluid. Heck, even four through ten. Um, but number eight is Little Women. Um, obviously it just came out on Christmas. This film was a absolute delight. Um, I mean, it has pretty much everybody, like... Um, either at the top of well, maybe not everybody at the top of the game because Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep is like the definition of chewing up the scenery in this, but she's still great in it. Laura Dern is fantastic, um, but obviously the main cast of characters: Florence Pugh, Saoirse Ronan, Liza Scanlon, and uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet and um, uh, Emma Watson. Um, all of them, all of them are fantastic. Chris Cooper in a supporting role okay. is okay. wonderful. Let me just say something. The cast is nuts, yeah. so I'm I am really excited to see this because yeah. the movie kind of was didn't really get that much like traction until after Christmas came out. And I saw yeah. a bunch of trailers for it. I'm like, this is Meryl Streep and Sorcy Ronan and Emma Watson and Timothy Chalamet. All these people who have been at the top of the game. What, yeah. what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Yeah, I know it's it's weird. It hasn't gotten a lot of love from SAGs or any of these other. Um, critics organization or awards organization so it's a little concerning but i still think it has good oscar chances um i have no previous relationship with any little women adaptations i i remember reading the book when i was in middle school and that was about the extent of it yeah i haven't i know a lot of people go to the 94 one with christian bale and winona ryder and claire danes and all that sounds like a good cast yeah i know it does it really does and maybe i'll revisit it or or maybe i'll watch it but but i feel like this is i think every generation has a a version of this. I think mm-hmm. my mom watched the one that came out in the sixties yeah. or seventies. So um, I mean there have been there have been a ton of adaptations of this, but I think what's really cool is you really see Greta Gerwig in full control. And after this and Lady Bird, I'm really looking forward as if I wasn't before. But um I'm really looking forward to where her career goes after this because this is such as much as Lady Bird was absolutely Greta Gerwig's almost autobiography in film form uh, this is also very much her story as well in the fact of Saoirse Ronan as Joe um, and just female creators just trying to get their voices heard and just as 
as um, uh, the institution of marriage at this time was very much an economic transaction. It, there's a great scene between Florence Pugh and Timothy Chalamet, um, which I won't spoil it, but basically uh, Florence Pugh's character Amy kind of just has to tell Laurie uh, that they don't really have much of a choice when it comes to that sort of stuff. And really the only way for a woman to make money in the 19th century during Civil War time is they have to marry rich, basically. And that's not them selling out. That's just basically the only option they have. Yeah. And so it's just it's just really well told. Um, a few of the, the time jump stuff, um, which kind of, that's one of Greta Gerwig, because um, half the book is basically them as young, and half of it is them like as full-grown adults and married and all that. And there's no, they basically have the same actresses playing 15 and 26. And so that's and so that's a little a, a little hard to follow at times, but basically everything else I just loved about it, and I I had a really good time with it. And so yeah, that's my number eight. Okay, I I see it. Uh, seven is us. Okay, we saw this one together, I believe. Yeah, I saw I the second time with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More. Um, I just want I wanted to see your reaction. Maybe yeah, to see this movie. High high concept stuff. High sure. concept. Uh, Jordan Peele does a good does he makes. The thing is, I think he's made masterpieces both times, but this one isn't as good as Get Out. Mm-hmm. But I think this movie, I really, the performances in this movie are incredible. Um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o should get nominated for Best best Actress. Mm-hmm. Just because I think her playing two roles in this movie mm-hmm. and the twist at the end is incredible. I don't want to reveal too much about this movie because... Yeah. It's so good. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Yeah, us. it's been out a while, but also if you haven't seen it, and that it kind of ruins it if you know the twist. Um, but this, so this is a weird film for me because, like, I saw it twice, as you mentioned. Uh, both times came out of it lukewarm. I think the second time I saw it, the first half I loved. First half. First half I loved. First second half, half and the last like little bit I really like. I think. Second half, second half falls apart for me. Yeah, the second time I watched it, I liked it more, but I think it's just because I picked up more mm-hmm. stuff in, in the first half yeah. they didn't recognize. Jordan Peele is like the king of Easter eggs right now. He is. He honestly is. Like The way he sets stuff up is perfect. Yeah, I think he does a really good job of setting a lot of things up, having a lot of small details. I think he's doing a really good job. And I, I'm excited to see, but I feel like he had to do, he was kind of forced to do a follow-up. And yeah. He had a, it was, kind of rushed into this yeah i think this would have been a better high concept movie if he was given more time but i still think this movie this movie left let's i think the more i think about this movie the more i like it i think it's i think it's awesome even though i didn't love it i think it's awesome that a horror film about hands across america was made yeah that's crazy yeah and so and i i'm afraid of rabbits and i hope lapita gets recognized at the oscars yep for the nomination um, my number seven is Lighthouse, The Lighthouse. Push. Okay. Um, what is, what is your next one? Uh, Apollo 11, the documentary that came okay, out. Okay, I did not see this oh one. Oh my God, it's so good. I did not see this one. I've heard we a lot may, about it. I may it. have to, like, sometime I may have to, like, bring it over. Make okay. Market. We had to watch this. Okay. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. Um, saw it in the theater when it came out. It was in the theater for, like, a weekend. And mm-hmm. it happened to be playing at the B&B near where we live in. Sure. We both live in Shawnee. Yeah. When we're not, when So basically, it's... It's about the space launch. And, and there's no voiceover. Okay. There's no, like, interview stuff. Yeah. It literally is just, it was footage that they had from that, oh, all this documentary okay. footage. And basically, it's like, it goes basically how the day of the launch, them launching, them landing, and then coming home. That's it. That's dope. And it's, like, 4K footage that they, like, these footage, this old, these old cameras that they 
made 4K and IMAX and then brought it to the big. It's so good. That's cool. Yeah, it's so well made. It really was. And I'm a huge space nerd, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, ah. Yeah. Celebrating the 50th anniversary of the moon landing this year was so much fun. I really enjoyed that. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those that I just straight up missed, um, but it sounds like right up my alley because I liked First Man a lot. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I think I would enjoy that. Uh, my number six is Parasite, um, a film that pretty much took over film Twitter and just everything in between. Um, just the rise of the bong hive and Bong Jun Ho. Um, I think Letterbox called it a bong hit, which was kind of funny. Um, but uh, no, this this film is is pretty incredible. Um, it's a film about. Uh, class struggles in South Korea. It's supposed to be a thriller too, which I'm just like. How? It is. It is like a genre blend of like twelve different things because it's it's a comedy, it's a drama, it's a horror film, it's a thriller, it's um. I mean, it's like it, it's got a lot going on for it, and I mean, there's just just the idea of uh, the poor family living in the basement and the rich family on top of the mountain. Just a, a lot of a lot of things going on here. Basically. This poor family in South Korea infiltrates uh, this rich family, and just uh, the son becomes a tutor for the daughter, and then he's like, "Hey, I can get the rest of his jobs." And then they kind of, they kind of, uh, as I said, infiltrate that rich family, and basically are basically paras- a parasite. Um, and so it is, it is just there's a lot of twists and turns to it. I don't want to spoil it, um, but it's it's quite remarkable. The ending is frenetic and insane. Um, it is, there are a lot of jaw dropping moments. Uh, Bong pretty much directs this as well as you can. Um, it's, it's just really fascinating because it's weird because obviously I don't relate to South Korean culture, but you don't need to, to enjoy this film. And I think that obviously it's in, it's fully in Korean. Um, but I don't think that should deter anybody from it. I think that it, uh, it is, uh, enjoyable for anybody. Um, especially if they haven't seen uh, foreign films, I think this might actually be a good introduction to foreign films for a lot of people because it is so it is so funny and so yeah. in, um, enticing and just it keeps you locked in the whole time. It doesn't really drag, and it's just it's shot beautifully. I mean, a lot of people saying this is like on their top ten of the decade list. I wouldn't go that far, but I you really need, in, you need time to marinate. It needs on that. it needs to it needs to marinate and maybe even watch a couple times. I, but it's really good. I sent you my decade list and mm-hmm. there's i don't think there's a film from 2010 on that from this year 2019 yeah. i think i just had you, like, need, you need to let it settle yeah need, you need time to let it marinate all the time just to yeah. breathe but it is it is a wonderful film and i it is deserving all, all deserving of all the praise and i would love love to see it sneak in with the best pick nom i bet it will i mean it's getting especially too much traction. With, yeah especially with all the traction absolutely it, it's probably gonna get Best director, probably best. If Pavel Pavlikowski got a best director nom for Cold War, I don't know how Bond couldn't get one for Parasite. So, that's, yeah. I guess that's my that's my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's your what's your next one? Knives Out. Knives Out. One of the most enjoyable theatrical experiences I had this year. Like a lot of this stuff is just based off like how I felt in the theater. Yeah, a lot of these are like this movie to me was so much fun. Ana de Armas. Best, best actress nomination. Oh like, my gosh! Just sink it. Just put it. Her in and there. Daniel Craig are reuniting for the next Bond film. Yeah, and Daniel Craig for best supporting. I so I saw a tweet. Um, which, yes, but also I saw a tweet. Um, that I think it was a joke by somebody tweeting at Ryan Johnson. They're like, you know, I think it'd be it'd be awesome if you did a um uh, a a series of films where Daniel Craig 
um, uh, Daniel Craig did a uh, did a different accent in each one. And Ryan Johnson replied, "No joke, I was actually thinking about this." <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, Ryan. That, literally, Daniel Craig um, as um, uh, Benoit Blanc is. They should do a series on him. He Are is. You kidding he me? was. He was so incredible. You could do a series on him. Oh my gosh! Because he's like the, he, he, yeah. he is a direct. He is like he is a old school PI from the. Oh my gosh! From the straight up no, film noir. Yeah. No. Uh, the the character Benoit, like he. He just is. Um, he is just a revelation. It's so good. It's so good to see him like kind of break out of his comfort zone. He's fun. He's he, super fun. He's like, super he, fun. Also, the Chris, is, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, Lakeith Stanfield, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. Uh-huh. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Uh, Michael who, Shannon. Michael Shannon. Who's his? Who's um, the uh, kid from It that I can't it, remember his name. But who's the his his the daughter-in-law? The one. That, um, the one that does, oh, Catherine Lam- Langford. No, 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 no. The one she she was in. Um, she was a, she was nominated for a Academy Award last year. Oh, uh, uh, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Yeah, Tony yeah, I was, Collette. I was like, I was like oh. oh, she wasn't nominated. She should have been for Hereditary. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, People yeah. were really pissed about that. Um, and yeah. Frank Oz pops up at one. Frank Oz. I was like, yeah. That was like, so like, good. Me and my buddies were like, yes. Oh my god. Right, right. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer is so good. Yeah. Like Ana de Armas. Surprisingly amazing as the lead, she's a really. I've seen her in a couple things, but I haven't seen her like take the lead on something. I love it. I also love it. Um, well, so she's great. Also, her interactions with Chris Evans are great, and I love it when Chris Evans goes heel. Yeah, like it's just fun to see. He did kind of the same thing at Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, I they even throw a Baby Driver reference in. Uh, shout out Edgar Wright. Um, but uh. I know a lot of people were obsessing over Chris Evans' sweater in this, which is great. It was also cool because, like, I kind of figured out about halfway through who killed, how it, how it happened. But, like, that didn't take away from anything. No, I, I, it kind of, expl- I mean, not to be spoiler heavy, but I mean, like, it kind of explains a lot. And you're kind of like, yeah. oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. Interesting. This should be fun. But it's more, like, literally, this is the definition of a film where it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, it literally is. It was one of the most fun times I had in the theater. The cast is incredible. The Ryan Johnson, this is why I love Ryan Johnson. Like mm-hmm. as much as people are like, oh last year, and like Brick was incredible. Brick was great, yeah. This is really good. Yeah. Get, I want to see him direct more films because mm-hmm. he has such a unique voice. He has a unique take on comedy. Yeah. He's a and he, he writes political jokes, but they're not full on political jokes. Like <laughs> They're just literally like, oh, like yeah, the kid, the kid in this, or he's a super right wing or whatever. Yeah, that was funny. but they, but they literally, but I mean, like he also makes fun of the hippie, like his the yeah. older daughter is. Yeah, like it's kind of this film, and I really love this film. Yeah, and I think that um, I really think Ryan Johnson, if this wasn't such a heavy year for like the directing category, I think he could be up for. Yeah, if if this was if this it's was a, a if tough this, year for that, if this was a lighter year, he. I mean, this might be for best original screenplay. Yeah. I honestly think it could be, mm-hmm. but I want to see more of Daniel Craig's character. Mm-hmm. This the Kentucky accent. Yeah, uh, he's so good in this movie. He he is incredible. I love the CSI KFC line. <laughs> CSI KFC was so good. Um, yeah, just just a lot of a lot of fun with this one for sure. Um, my number five is uh, Pain and Glory. Um, it is directed by Pedro Almodovar, starring Antonio Banderas, um, and Penelope Cruz is in it as well. Um, Antonio Banderas, um, this is the best lead performance I've seen this year. 
Um, and I I don't know if he will be nominated. I doubt he will be. Um, I yeah, it's it's just he, gonna he be tough. Nominated, well, so he won, he won he um, won the best actor award at Cannes, which was big. And I know he's getting some traction. I know he's gotten some nominations here and there. I know a lot of other people are looking at um, Robert De Niro and Leo and. Um, and even Ad- I've seen Adam Sandler get thrown around um, and a bunch of others, obviously, that we've mentioned earlier. But Antonio Banderas as this, and I, again, another autobiography, basically, Pedro Almodovar. Um, and Antonio Banderas basically is kind of the fill-in for that. He plays a filmmaker called Sal- named Salvador Mayo, um, films all in Spanish. He basically is, this is the definition of dealing with past regrets. And mm-hmm. they cut back and forth between Salvador as an adult with Antonio Banderas and back to him growing up in Spain um, just as a child. And Penelope Cruz plays his mom. Um, and basically just the struggles that he went through. He grew up super poor um, and just moving from place to place. Um, and he, there was a... Uh, guy that he as a child he taught um uh he taught english or he, yeah, he taught english too um because he knew english as well um and so uh but that guy also would help do repairs in their house is kind of a trade-off type of thing and so that relationship that he built with him and then also just as he growing up um one of his past lovers comes back into his life um a guy that he made a film with years ago they reconcile um, basically, it is really just him reminiscing, also with coming to terms with his mo- mother's passing. Mm-hmm. Um, he also becomes sick. I mean, it, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on. They also do a beautiful... Uh, the, the ending is beautiful, how they tie it all together. I won't spoil it, but it is it is just a great film with um, just... A, another one of those films of just an old, an old man aging and just coming to terms with past sins and... It's just beautiful, and I think Antonio Banderas is wonderful as the lead, and I just, it's one of those films that hardly anybody saw, and it won't get the recognition it deserves, but it was really, it really, it really got to me, and so I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, My number four is The Lighthouse. Yes. Here we go. Uh, Hark. Yeah. (laughs) Good God. This movie's so good. Bad luck to kill seabirds. Um, it is, this film is wacko, but in the best ways possible. Yeah, Robert Eggers is... A madman. Yeah. But uh, he's wonderful. Yeah, it's basically an old Greek myth set in the late 1800s, early 1900s, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. And it's so good. (laughs) Yeah, black and white. It's insane. They change the aspect ratio. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it stays in 1906, basically the entire movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then again, then the last shots the finally twenty is to thirty five. Uh-huh. It goes to thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But this film, this film is wild. Like it's, it's really funny, which you wouldn't maybe think of if you see like the trailers or anything there's like that. Lot, there's a lot of body humor in this movie that you're just like, was not expecting this. <laughs> a lot of flatulence. A lot of flatulence. Lots of pee. Lots of them like cussing and yeah, and just just uh, Willem Dafoe stumbling around drunk. Yeah, and it's it's almost like hard to describe it, but it's like uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson both operating at like a fifteen, but like it doesn't take you away from the movie, and it's just it's really interesting. They're also opposite ends of the spectrum for majority of the movie. Yeah, because Robert Pattinson's very 
internalized in the beginning. Yeah. And then um, Willem Dafoe is super vocal and all this stuff. And then towards the end, they're basically the same. Basically, uh, Dafoe turns him into another version of himself. Yeah. And, yeah, no, that transformation's huge. Obviously, a lot of thoughts on... Um, uh, there's definitely some aspects of Christianity and religion in it. Greek um, mythology. Just Greek mythology, masculinity. Yeah. Because, um, uh, honestly, Willem Dafoe, in a way, is emasculating Robert Pattinson at part of the time. And, um, and just solitude and just vulnerability. And it's a horror film at the same time. It's a comedy. It's just a, it's a really weird genre blend, but it's really fun at the same time. Uh, might be, I don't know, maybe not number one. But it is like top five cinematography I've seen this year. Yeah, there's a lot of from. Uh, we still have to see. Um, 1917. 1917. I mean, yeah. So that like you can hold the tops off for that probably, but like it, this film looks beautiful. I think Joker's up there too. Joker is up there as well. I Joker think, looks I think, great. I think Joker. The films I see, I think is the best shot. Mm-hmm. Just how it's so wide and how that but I mean we'll get to the Joker yeah we'll Joker looks great Hidden Life Parasite Lighthouse um, all those all those are awesome um yeah Lighthouse really fun yeah really to, good yeah, like it's a movie people need to experience absolutely yeah honestly you call yourself a film buff and you see it it really is an experience though like that's it is. really the best way to describe it like, like it, it is one of the most amazing film like film going experiences I've had just because I sat through the entire credits and was like what the hell did I just watch mm-hmm. And then I had to do research, and that really made me happy. Um, so, yeah, so that one's great. Uh, number four for me is Marriage Story. Um, okay. So before this came out, and so I kind of it had sort of, like, circled this date for when it was dropping on Netflix. I hadn't seen Noah Baumbach films before. And so I watched The Squid and the Whale and Francis Ha and Meyerowitz Stories and a couple others, basically just as prep to kind of get a feel for what his directing style was. Um, and he deals a lot with divorce, and he deals a lot with Manhattan socialites and all that sort of thing, um, which is a lot of in this film. Marriage Story, I obviously, I don't come from a household of divorced parents. Neither do I. Um, so. And so I can't relate on that front, but this film still kind of wrecked me. I mentioned earlier that Antonio Banderas is probably my number one. I'd say my number two is probably Adam Driver yeah. um, for Adam- best lead. He had he had such a great year. Um, I know we talked about earlier how a lot of this is getting taken out of context with memes and stuff, but Scarlett Johansson is wonderful. Uh, Laura Dern is fantastic. I know she's getting a lot of love for supporting actress nominees. Uh, Ray Liotta's great in it. Alan Alda is fantastic in it. It's just it's just heartbreaking. But at the end of the day, Noah Baumbach uh, frames it in a way where love is always at the center even in the midst of that and now infamous almost infamous yelling match back and forth which is such a powerful scene when you built up to that moment um how it affects their son and at the end of the day and even with the ending it it ends on a good note and it ends with these two people even though they are not meant to be together they i think the separation at the end of the day is is a good thing for both parties they still love each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's super interesting in a film like this. Um, a lot of people say that this generation's Kramer versus Kramer. I don't know if I'd say that. But it is... Well, come on. He, like, he didn't slap her on set? Uh, no, not that, not that oh, I know oh, of. okay. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Um, hopefully not. Um, yeah, I know Scarlett Johansson's gotten a lot of fire, but I haven't heard about that. But, um, 
it's just it's just a powerful film to me, and I I just love what Adam Driver did with it, and and Noah Baumbach and uh, Scarlett Johansson, and it's really cool again to see Scarlett Johansson break out. I know a lot of people know her for her work with Marvel films, but she is a great actress. She says stupid stuff with representation and all that, but she is a wonderful actress, and I just really love this film. So let me see it. I think yeah, I think you I think you should you should sit down and uh, and watch it again. Are you are you to your number four? Or number three. Okay, what's your number three? Uh, Joker. Joker. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, my God. Incredible. Uh, best actor nominate, probably winner. Probably the front runner for a win, for the win. Yeah, yeah. Which honestly, at this point, at this point, he's he's not a lock, but he's definitely got. He, I would be surprised at this point if he doesn't win it. Yeah. Uh, him playing Arthur Fleck in Joker. It's so it's so amazing to watch him transfer into the Joker at the end, and yeah. then because that that entire sequence where he becomes free at the end of the movie and turns into the Joker. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's like yeah. it's like it's the Mark Hamill Joker that I've always dreamed being on screen, being mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah. Um, also, it's just he's so good. He's so talented. I mean, like the movie itself is. It, I think it's really sets this world up. Uh, they're really. Good job with the Wayne setting mm-hmm. that like how this world is, mm-hmm. and then going forward with this movie is Joaquin Phoenix Joker gonna be set with Robert Pattinson's Batman? Is that a possibility? And we'll see. It... We'll see. They, as of right now, they keep denying it, but I guess the but I mean it's, still it's out. supposed to be set in Arkham. The next one's supposed to be yeah. supposed to be with so, Arkham Arkham we'll Asylum see. or we'll something. See. We'll but see. the cast in that movie is nuts too. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, um, but I really enjoy just the that they make they you know they do all these things like they give Joker a name, and then spoiler alert, they take it away, and yeah. then like he's a nobody like the Joker was. Yeah, all these big things, and it just made so many theories in my head, and it made me really appreciate Joker mm-hmm. from the comics, the ones that I read in the animated series that I used to watch when I was a kid. And I really just, I love this film. It's, um, so I, again, I wasn't a huge fan of this one. Um, cause at least how I interpreted it, which I, I know, I don't know if, I don't know if it's the minority or not, but I, I interpreted it where it wasn't, it was one of those films that I felt like wanted to say a lot and wanted to make a me- wanted to, uh, have this really, uh, poignant message, but it didn't really speak to me like that. Um, whether it was class or um, or just mental mental uh, health issues or anything like that, um, it didn't really speak to me in that way. Joaquin Phoenix is uh, marvelous as as the lead role. Um, he I think he deserves the accolades. And honestly, I said it earlier, but like if he wins, he deserves it. Not only for this role, the but best for actor, the rest of his career the too. Best, the best actor category, like. All these categories are like, oh, this person wins. No I'll be matter. Happy. I like this is the first year I've been like, this person deserves it. This per- like, like, like Romy Malik winning it last year is kind of like, okay, like I, I, think, I think he was really yeah. good, but did is he better than a lot of the other people that are up for yeah. it? Yeah, I no, I agree with that. But I think obviously we don't know nominations yet, but I have a feeling all five people, I if they were to win, I would, which is rare, but I think all five people this year I can look at and probably go. And Antonio yeah. Banderas wins it. Oh my God, that's great! Yeah, Adam and Driver. Adam Driver wins it. That's fantastic. Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix. Like 
Adam, what if Adam Sandler gets nominated? Yeah, Adam Sandler, uh, Leo, maybe? Leo? I mean, um, like... Eddie Murphy? Eddie like, Murphy. They like, all, I think, they all would be deserving, and they all are just wonderful actors that we all love. So, yeah. like, it's... We, I think well, everybody wins. <laughs> I mean, Adam Sandler, depending on... Mm. <laughs> I mean... I, Punch Drunk Love is amazing, but... Well, yeah, but I mean, even just going back to his comedies, I think he's, yeah, beloved, he's beloved. Yeah, Speaking of which. And speaking of Adam Sandler, my goodness. This, okay, Uncut Jams is number three. I, over the last few weeks, I have become obsessed with the Safdie brothers, and I have become obsessed with this movie. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that four through ten is, like, kind of pretty fluid, but these top three are locked in stone, and I don't see 1917 or anything. Maybe maybe when I it's, see some more films, it might change, but these top three are yeah. locked and loaded. Uncut Gems blew me away. My expectations were high, and they and they blew those out of the water too. Okay, safety brothers did say safety or safety. Safety, safety. Mm-hmm. Josh and Benny. Uh, did they do uh, good time? Yep, they did. Okay, I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I think I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've done. They've had a really interesting career. Basically, um, they made made some short films. They made a documentary. They've made a couple features. Um, one of which, Heaven Can Wait. Um, is what uh, Martin Scorsese and his producing partner saw and basically uh, convinced them to help fund this film. They obviously one everybody points to is Good Time from a couple years ago starring Robert Pattinson, which is great, which is really fun too. Um, I that Robert Pattinson was more than the Twilight guy. Yeah, the, well, that and a, there, was, there was a series of films like The Rover with Guy Pearce um, and, uh, and uh, David Michaud and also uh, Lost City Z, High Life. I mean, he's done, he's done a lot to reshape his image. Um, and I think now, hopefully after this year and also being Batman, I think a lot of people are turning the corner on Robert Pattinson. And being Batman. <laughs> I, I mean, I am so excited for that. No, he's um, going to be a great Batman. Yeah. He's the chin of a Batman. <laughs> he does. But Uncut Gems, man. I um, Get my boy KG some respect. So Kevin Garnett, awesome. I don't doubt it. Awesome. So uh, initially, it's so funny that this film initially, uh, there were 160 drafts of this script that they wrote. What? 160. That is not an exaggeration. So they were 160 oh drafts of this script. They've been writing this for a decade. So they asked Sandler in 2009 to do it, and they just didn't get a response um, because they were like a couple 25 New York kids, hadn't really built themselves up a name yeah. yet. And they were like, we, but but they they knew even back then they need Sandler for this. So like, all right, so they make a few more films, keep going, keep going, ask him again in like 20, oh, probably 2016, 2017 maybe, and then it was, it was he, they got a response, but they said Sandler was busy. And like, oh, we'll move the date, but like, no, Sandler was busy, basically they got to know again. All right, fine, make good time. Sandler sees good time, and then calls them immediately, and like, hey, I want to make this film. That's just bonkers. So, but initially, they had Sasha Baron Cohen in the lead, Oh, that would have been nuts, um, too. That would have been nuts. Um, they had Sasha Baron Cohen. ASAP Ferg was supposed to be in this film. Uh, Amari Stoudemire was supposed to be KG's part. That fell through. Joel Embiid was supposed to be it for a while, but then the shooting schedule ran up against the NBA season, so they couldn't have, use an active player. And um, the funny thing is, the Safdie brothers, Josh and Benny, are huge Knicks fans, and Kevin Gar- And so they were trying to find a, a retired player, so they got Kobe. Because mm-hmm. Kobe wanted to act, apparently. But then by the time uh, they, the Kobe's people needed the script, um, they basically, uh, they weren't, Josh was trying to, uh, trying to reshape it a little bit, and then they said, no, Kobe actually wants to direct, so Kobe can't do it. Kevin Garnett comes up, and they're like, no, we can't do Kevin Garnett because we 
we hate Kevin Garnett. We're Knicks fans. He, he, he's tortured our lives forever. But they're like, no, we got to talk to him. And so they talked to him for like three hours over the phone, finally worked it out. It was a beautiful decision. Um, they rewrote the they rewrote the script again, got everybody in there. Um, I, I want to say they had a table read, which they had never done before, for um, before all the changes came. It was Sasha Marin Cohen, Tom Berenger, ASAP Ferg, John David Washington, um, in instead of uh, Lakeith Stanfield, um, and so it like it was just like the whole cast basically changed essentially. Um, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield is great at the weekend. Come um, has a great uh, bit part in it, um, playing himself. It's basically um, uh, Adam Sandler is a jeweler um, named Howard um, in New York during uh, in 2012. And so basically, he is a huge gambler as well. And Mike, Fran- Mike Francesa is in it um, as basically his bookie. And he owes a lot of money to his, I believe it's his brother-in-law. And so uh, he... Um, he basically is betting on the uh, the Celtics, wow. and so because uh, Kevin Garnett comes in and he had just got this jewel, this uncut gem from these uh, from Ethiopia, I believe. Um, these Ethiopian Jews had uh, had basically dug up this uh, this uncut gem that he really wanted, and it was told he it was appraised for like one point five million or whatever. So super important to him. And basically, Kevin Garnett comes in with um, Lakeith Stanfield because that's like Lakeith Stanfield is basically Howard's plug for um, uh, all these high-profile people coming into his store. And so Kevin Garnett sees it and he's like, "Hey, this can be my good luck charm." And so he just starts going off in the playoffs. And so basically, it's this back and forth. Um, Adina Menzel plays his um, wife as they're separating. She is great in it. Um, Julia Fox, who I had never seen anything before, plays basically his mistress wonderful um this film is filled with paranoia i was um i was anxious the entire runtime yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it tomorrow so don't, don't no no, no. Don't i'm not me. i'm not i'm not i won't i won't speak any further but this film just rocked me and i loved it okay um but anyway number two avengers endgame okay avengers endgame let's talk about it uh the probably the perfect ending to a, a film saga ever Close. It's got to be close. It's up there. Yeah, it literally is just my favorite. Uh, it's just like, it's so great. It, it harkens back to the former films. It does a really good job seeing it the future. It's just such a good film. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, give God, Josh Brolin is Thanos. Like this whole, like, Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, everybody in this movie is fantastic. It's really well made, it's perfectly paced. For a three and a half hour movie, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. It got people to watch a long movie in the theaters, which is cool. Yeah, and it made and it's the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. So it 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 just was. I'm I have memories of seeing Iron Man for the first time. My mom got a reviewer screening thing. Oh, that's cool. Somehow, that's cool. So I got to see it way before everybody else did, and I think my mom I got tickets for my mom got tickets for it off of like KCTV five. Okay. And gotcha. so I got it. And nice. Re- and recently, she was trying to get tickets to Speed Racer because me and my dad little Speed Racer when I was mm-hmm. a kid. But then she got Iron Man, and my dad's like, oh, okay, another comic book movie. Yeah. We saw it, and that kind of shaped everything after that. Yeah. Um, this is really the one of the best examples of having a, a long plan and a vision and executing it. Really. I know uh, people... This last year, we're mad about how Game of Thrones ended and stuff, but Didn't I mean, have a Kevin, Kevin Feige, well, I mean, 
that, that's true. They even out outran the books and stuff like that. But Kevin Feige had a plan, and he, I mean, he this this twenty, I think it's twenty two films or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they had the end game in mind, and yeah. and they really just executed. I love. I really liked Infinity War, and I really liked how it ended. So I was really anxious to see this one for a lot of reasons, but also just to follow up with that and it just it really it really checked off a lot of boxes yeah it really just it, I like this more than Infinity War okay I think Infinity War has a lot of great stakes at the end mm-hmm. of it and this kind of delivers on all those stakes okay got you and I really think this film does a lot of good this just does a lot of great things um it just it's my number two because it was so well made and I really enjoyed it it's a mix of like Nostalgia, because obviously the time traveling and stuff yeah. like that, and just and just cap old cap and stuff like that. But it also is a really uh, hopeful send off for what the future of the MCU can be as well. Yeah, and it really sucks that the Sony thing happened and then right right after this. Yeah, and then they got it back. But yeah, I mean like it was like Spider Man because they set up Spider Man to be the big thing, and then that all kind of. But like this, I think they'll write the ship. I think they will too. I really like this film. Uh, I just think that I really liked the Spider-Man movie that came out this year, but I think that Endgame is the pinnacle of what a long-term plan could be through mm-hmm. a new universe. Because Marvel set the tone for what a universe is, yeah. and I think that this really shows what a universe is. Yeah, no, it's uh, this this film was really really good, and I know obviously everybody saw it that's listening to this because it is like the highest-grossing film ever made. Um, but it just it really just Struck a lot, struck a chord with a lot of people, and struck a chord with us, obviously, and was really good. Um, my number two is The Irishman. Push. Okay. Uh, my number one is uh, Midsommar, which, uh, so, quick quick backstory here. Um, so, I was anticipating a lot of these films, uh, Irishman being one really high up there. When I saw The Irishman, I was like, this is this is everything I wanted it to be. Um, and I just, I just love every part of this, but there was one film that I couldn't shake how I felt walking out of the theater, and that was Midsommar, um, and even still, I saw that back in early, I think it was June or something like that when that came out, and I just, I was, I was shaking walking out of the theater, and I don't know if I have ever felt that way before, and it was, it was just a riveting film it's a melodrama it's a horror film it's even a dark comedy in the in the ending there um florence Pugh. this is when i figured out that she is a star and i can't wait to watch her act for the next 30 years like she is just incredible ari aster um hereditary i was lukewarm on i i saw a lot of promise in that film but i wasn't a huge fan of it midsommar absolutely loved and um this film is this film is creepy it's basically like a two-hour acid trip, um, uh, but uh, it was funny because there's a scene in Little Women where uh, Florence Pugh's Amy puts on a flower crown, and I was a little, I had a little PTSD come back from that. But um, this this film is just fantastic in every stretch of the imagination, and I just I just love this thing so yeah. much. I, the reason I didn't like it was because it was a two-hour acid trip. Okay. That's fair. That's and, totally fair. And I, I think it's a good film. I thought yeah. it was really well made. I thought the acting was great. I was just like, at the end of the day, I was like, it was fun. I had a yeah. good time. Like, it wasn't fun, but I was like, man, that was one hell of a ride. Yeah. 
I don't know if I need to see it. Like, I was going to say, I don't yeah, know if yeah, I need yeah. to see it again. Like, no, for this. sure. I, and I think that's how a lot of people felt, honestly. It's disorienting, and I think it's intentionally so. Um, it's it's very much... Um, it's funny, because I don't know if everybody even sees it as a melodrama as much, but that's what Ari Aster intended it to be. Uh, and just this breakup story, and how Florence Pugh's boyfriend is basically a dirtbag, and how she kind of needs to drop him. But uh, this, I just... Drop him literally, don't you mean? Well... That, yeah, that's true, but um, <laughs> that's fair. Um, but uh, no, I just I just love this thing to pieces. But um, let's get let's get into the Irishman. Well, my number one's Cats. I don't know what you're. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Cats! I I paid actual U.S. currency to see Cats on not opening weekend, opening night. When the same weekend as Star Wars came out, I saw Cats. Yeah, I was like with like four other people, and it was. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was so bad. I'm not. I'm not gonna give cats any more airtime. Okay. That was uh, the Irishman. Oh, the number one. My number one. I saw this in the theater because I'm jealous. Because I have ADHD and I need help. Because um, <laughs> I would be on my phone half the time. But my God, this film is beautiful. Al Pacino, De Niro, Pesci. It's not too long. No, it's perfectly timed. Like, 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 it sounds like like that was a joke. Honestly, that was perfectly paced. I did too. The editing is amazing. The, well, it's Thelma, so like you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like De Niro, amazing. Pesci, amazing. Pacino, if he gets nominated for best supporting, deserves maybe deserves an Academy Award for once. Maybe Pesci does too. Maybe Pesci. Yeah. Um, well, Pesci already got his. Well, yeah, that's true. He deserved his. But Pacino get one he actually did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think of the the face, the de aging? Uh, it really it, it freaked me out like the first couple times I saw it, and then I got used to it. Yeah, I was. Now yeah. that I watch it, I've I've seen it again. Okay. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I I think initially it was kind of the same way for me, but I think after I saw it a couple a couple times. So. With the with the flashbacks, I think it really it really worked. Um, this is uh, feels like the perfect film for this period in all these guys' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think um, you can listen back to past episodes of this. I I felt emotional, like like almost like uh, teared up when I saw Harvey. Joe, Al, and Bob all on screen together. Yeah. Um, that was just fantastic. Stephen Graham is incredible. Oh, so he's British. He is. He yeah. is. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, as like, Tony Pro. Yeah, I was like, I told him that that's a British guy. And he goes, oh, he's not. I'm like, yeah, that's a British dude. He's, he's been a bunch of, uh, bunch of, of <laughs> just a bunch of weird movies. I, and also, um, I love how Marty brought in a bunch of like old uh, Boardwalk Empire people. Um, Jack Houston is another guy. He plays, uh, te- uh, I believe, uh, Bobby Kennedy, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, Stephen Graham, I could also see a, a supporting actor uh, campaign. He was, he, he was, was good, awesome. But Pacino. Well, no, I mean, that's... that's but Pacino, man. No, I, you're not getting any arguments Also, I didn't me. really, like, the thing was, like, I noticed it on Pesci and... De Niro, I didn't notice it on Pacino. Oh, the de-aging stuff? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until they did the side-by-side thing, I was like, oh my god. I think the haircut helped. Yeah, it helped a lot. Because yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it really did. But also, I'm, I'm more used to seeing, I'm more used to seeing uh, De, Niro, De Niro. I also think that Pacino's face has aged the least of the three. Because, yeah. like, Joe looks old. 
yeah, like in real life. Uh, Rob or Bob, I mean, he he sort of does like occasionally, especially with his it's longer like, hair. Yeah, but it's mainly the sagging yeah. in, in the face. But yeah, I'm saying yeah. like Pacino didn't have a lot of sagging. No, but he I'll, doesn't. I'll say they let a lot of sag because. I mean that's the way Hoffa looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoffa was a no, big, was sure. a bigger dude. So like, my goodness, De Niro, De Niro, I mean De Niro and Pesci sharing the screen together. That felt again. That felt mm-hmm. amazing. That yeah. was great. Them doing the, them eating the bread and wine and them speaking Italian. I was like, I was like, ah, my babies, they're back. Yes, <laughs> it's um, like one of those. And I, this is this is a weird film that got a lot of controversy, um, with the whole Anna Paquin thing. And how there she are there are at least movie. there well that but also how for some reason people uh, whether it's jokes or not have kind of come out this film for uh, being a being a Scorsese film with um, not a lot of speaking lines for uh, women and first of all that's intentional in the best ways for this film because Anna Paquin does so much with her eyes in this film. Yeah, and just and that's that's the point is that she saw when when she saw as a child that her dad How killed him. Reacted? She's not going to speak to him again, and that's and that's so powerful and just shows the separation between Frank and his family, and it also shows why he's dying alone. Well, that and also, you clearly don't know Martin Scorsese's filmography if you think that he just throws women to the wind to the side. Lorraine Bracco, Goodfellas, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Um, Ellen Burstein won a freaking Oscar for that. I mean, even Margot Robbie and Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, uh, uh, Age of Innocence and Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, there's, I mean, you could go on and on. But basically, the point is, Martin Scorsese uh, can do whatever the hell he wants because he, there's a purpose behind everything. Yeah. And I just, anyway, that, that ignorance no, kind of just... But I mean, like, they could have done with another actress, but also, like, Anna Paquin did such a good job in that movie. Yeah. It's like... It's like the thing I talked about with with uh, Rise of Skywalker. You don't need him to speak. You don't yeah. need you don't need Adam Driver to speak in the last forty five minutes. He has a lot of acting with his eyes and expressions and stuff. Well, that's also one of the greatest things about this movie is it's not like there are moments like when it's like when like when, like when De Niro beats up the the shopkeeper or whatever. Uh, he curb stomps him. Like there are moments of like big like emotional blah but blah, also, blah. But the but the best part are the quiet moments. Yeah. yeah, like the the even the shootouts are extremely violent, and very quick, and then this is over. Yeah, because that's how violence is. It's yeah. not, they don't linger on stuff. Yeah, like when he um, when he goes and shoots a guy in the street, walks by and shoots him. It's mm-hmm. really quick, and he's he walks by, throws the gun in the river. Business as usual, which is not normal. Which is the thing is that I think that's what he's pointing out. Yeah, because it's because honestly. The point is, they don't want to glamorize it. But I mean, they even tell like how people died. Yeah, and it's not glamorized. Yeah, it's just, it's just that it was these, it was these guys. It was Frank's job as a hitman. Um, it was wonderful to see Pesci toned down. It was something that we haven't really seen from him. Um, He's not, not that we've really seen a lot from him in the last decade or so. Anyway, but, he retired. So. Well, he retired, but like also just it's so it's so refreshing to see him like that. You've shown a. A great failure uh, to show appreciation. I know I butchered that line, but um, just his conversations. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, His conversations with Pacino and De Niro, and especially that in at the end, um, I chose us. I chose us over them. I mean that whole scene. But I mean, them them in the cornflakes before De Niro has to go deal with Pacino, deal with Hoffa, them sitting there eating cornflakes. 
It's riveting. It's yeah. amazing. Like yeah, it's, it's building to a moment. Scorsese does an amazing job in this film. Everybody in this film is fantastic. It's the best. It's my favorite film of the year. It's the best made film of the year. I think. Mm. I think. It's, I yeah. I think Scorsese wins best director. I'd be super happy. I would love De Niro it. De Niro gets nominated. I don't know if he should win, but yeah. if Pacino wins best supporting, I'd be like or Pesci or Pesci or I mean any of the, the supporting actors could be a stupidly hard category this year, but yeah. like anybody who wins those awards, I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I honestly think this has been one hell of a year for film. I I agree. I think that this is this is a great cap off to to this decade. It was a really interesting decade. A lot of a lot of risk taking mm-hmm. in this decade, which is really cool to see, and a lot of challenging films that came out, and a lot of a lot of uh, films that really really push you to see new perspectives, which is really cool to see. Twenty nineteen, uh, obviously, just kind of looking back at it now, it was. It was one of my favorite years of the decade in film, and it's just it's just wonderful to see all of these a lot of, a lot of classic filmmakers that we've seen in the past like Scorsese and Tarantino, but a lot of new voices as well. Um, and I and I loved it. And so, um, Graham, anything else to add? Happy New Year, everybody! Uh, sorry we've been away for so long. Yeah, we but, are we are back. But I think we'll probably do a mid January one, probably after we see a bunch of that. When yeah. Oscar shortlist, when they yeah. finally do the nominees, we'll probably yeah. do a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about Oscar noms when they come out. But again, yeah, as Graham said, Happy New Year. And those are our top 10 films of 2019. Um, a lot of good stuff came out this year. I Like I said earlier, there are way more than 10 great films that came out this year and just a really wide range of awesome stuff. So, uh, yeah, just check it all out. And for Graham Cannon, I'm Braden Shaw, and we'll see you next time on Ins and Outs. Peace.